Welcome to Minority Corner, where we take an introspective look at the world through an intersectional lens. I'm James, he, him. I'm a queer political activist, actor, comedian, self-proclaimed sexy blurb. That's a um, black blurb. And each week, I'm joined in the corner by other fabulous minorities and some allies tackling the news, pop culture, politics, media, entertainment, and history with a little self-care, self-love sprinkled throughout, all for our own personal and collective empowerment. Well, hello, Corner Kids. I hope you all had a wonderful long weekend of gratitude. So we're diving back into the mix. Lauren is back because there's still more to talk about. So y'all know Lauren be up on the Twitters. And uh, coming at you fresh off of Twitter is also Dionne Warwick. And she has so many questions, uh, you know, and has a feud with mayonnaise and more and Lauren gives us the lowdown that it's more than just an SNL sketch. That is based on real life Dionne Warwick. We'll talk about it. The attorneys general of Michigan had a lot of fun at a recent football game. And we also continue our obsession with the never ending feud of Vin Diesel and The Rock because y'all feuds are for everybody, not just the ladies. Everybody be feuding. And I am obsessed in the main corner, Lauren discusses critical race theory, CRT, as some of the folks call it. And, uh, you know, just there's so much misinformation about what critical race theory is, who's studying it, and Lauren breaks it all down for us. She's going to learn us, y'all. And stick around at the very end. I have some thoughts around the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse and the verdict around the murder of Ahmad Arbery. So it is time to learn, laugh, and play right here on Minority Corner. On Twitter? Uh, yes, on Twitter. Coming to you live from Twitter. Um, oh my god. Not live. This was last week or la- probably last week because we're only on Tuesday. I don't know what day it is. It's been a long week. Uh, it has been. Um... So the attorney general of Michigan got so drunk at a football game, she like had to be carried out in a wheelchair. And I mean, it was, you know, who amongst us has not had to have a friend be like, all right, it's time. It's time to go, Lauren. It's time to go, James. Was this a high school football game? No, it was was like a UMich game. Um, Or I don't want to say the wrong school. I don't remember which school it was. I know. I don't I don't I'm not good, but I think it was a UMich game. I also want to I do. I I not know, but I know of the attorneys general of Michigan, because I remember when Gretchen Wintmore was about to get kidnapped. She came on TV with like a leather jacket. She wears a leather jacket a lot. She's part of the LBGTQ community. Yeah, she's and she wears a leather jacket in her interviews a lot. And she was like, she was like, this is stupid. Y'all are being dumb. Don't try to fucking kidnap the governor. Like, yeah. Well, she she apologized for her behavior. And she was like, her apology was very funny. Uh, It was witty (laughs) and and very genuine. She said, I went to the I went to the to the tailgating. And basically, I tried to make a meal out of Bloody Mary. Because I anticipated there would be more food. And I was like, who amongst us has not done that? And that and, just gets carried away. And she did. And she said she was on an empty stomach. And, she, you know, she made a couple little quick 
quips and apologize for her behavior, and she'll be more mindful of it in the future. That's all I want to hear. That's all I want to hear. That's it. That's, That's it. it. Don't try to be like, well, my intention was. No. Sorry if you were offended. I just want to. Yeah. It's nope. I did it. I was wrong. That's it. We're all going to move forward. That's I learned my lesson. Uh, what else is going on on Twitter? Is Dionne Warwick? Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. We got to talk about Miss Dionne Warwick. We can't call her auntie. She does not like that. But Wow. Yes. Did she say that on Twitter? She said it on Twitter. It is an official tweet. I anticipate. I can't get an official tweet from Dionne Warwick. One, I didn't even know Dionne Warwick was on Twitter. She has the most lit Twitter account. If you are not following Dionne Warwick on Twitter, you are doing yourself I a disjustice. No okay, because there is a running sketch on SNL. With, uh, uh, Ego plays Dionne Warwick. And she's so fucking amazing. But I was like, why? Is it's a Dionne Warwick talk show. And she's confused about, like, all these pop cultural things. And she has people on her show. And she's confused about everything that's happening. And it's a running, like, an ongoing sketch. And Dionne Warwick was on the most recent one where she came on. And now I know why. It's because of her Twitter. Yes. That's basically how she behaves on Twitter. <laughs> so her first, her first, like, week on Twitter, I don't even remember how long ago it was at this point. I think maybe it was last year or the year before. Um, she was basically asking people no. like about their about their <laughs> names, about their singer names. So like for example, she was like, Stop. At the weekend, why is there no E in your name? At the baby, why are you duh and not duh? Like Stop it. That's yeah. literally the sketch of SNL. Yes. Like she'll bring on somebody celebrity. She'll ask questions of like, so why are you doing this? Like that's exactly what she does. Wow. And recently she decided she was going to engage with the food community. She, so she blocked mayonnaise, <laughs> Hellman's mayonnaise on Twitter. I don't know what happened there. I really wasn't following that closely. But she decided that she was going to say she allowed all of the food community to tweet her, uh, tweet to her, and she unblocked Hellman's mayonnaise for the occasion. And she asked, like, Burger King why what was in their burgers. She asked Oreos why they had so many different flavors. I mean. This is just like if you're. It's like if your grandma got like had a Twitter, understood like how to somewhat use it, like at least like the mechanics of it. Oh, she figured it out. <laughs> She's out there asking all the questions. Everybody's like, oh, how come Oreos have so many flavors? And people were like adding, you know, replying to her oh, tweet yeah. being like, yeah, we don't need all these flavors. Why you got this peach lemonade Oreo flavor and all these crazy flavors? We just need the regular ones. Uh, it was great. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, learn something new already. This is uh, off, to, off to a great start. This is great. This oh, is my like God. hot it's... off the press. I feel like we need to do this every time I'm on the show. Like just be hot like, off the press you segment. Just <laughs> let me know what's on Twitter and just like let me know. Well, this is not hot off the press. This is kind of lukewarm in the um, – back closet uh, uh -oh. but it's been there i'm just obsessed with this ongoing story and this ongoing drama of vin diesel and the rock so when they did fast and the furious eight <laughs> how long ago was that now this, that was actually i think fast and the furious was like three four years ago i think it was like four years ago because fast nine was going to come out sooner but then the rock was going to get his own spinoff and Tyrese was like, don't do it. Because, like, the way the order was going to go, because The Rock got to choose when his spinoff was going to happen, it delayed Fast 9. And Tyrese, he, you know, he, he needs every job he can get. He's not The Rock. And so it delayed them being able to do Fast 9. It just created a lot of, a lot of drama. Mm -hmm. um, and so, anyways, there's, like, so if you ever see Fast 8, like, The Rock and Vin Diesel. I didn't even know we were up that high. They didn't. Though we are. I'm an avid. The Fast and Furious is a, a soft spot in my heart. My first job, 16 years old, in the movie wow. theater. 
and I cleaned up to that movie all the time to NERD's lap dance. You can get this lap dance here for free. <laughs> you can get this lap dance here for free. I'm an outlaw. Please tell me you were dancing I'm on, on the draw. Of the movie theater. <laughs> I sure was. So like that movie feel like I've, I've seen it so many times. Like that is my this movie on the family on yeah. the same topic. Triple X was playing when I worked at a movie oh. theater. <laughs> we both worked at the movie theater. I know. I mean, it, those movies hold a special place in your heart. I know. You it was a terrible them, movie. <laughs> and like, but you've seen it probably a million I times. Have. Yep. <laughs> Take your lunch break. You're like, I'll just watch Triple X, like 20 minutes of Triple X. Like, in here. Which know. segment am I going to watch today? <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. I got a 10 minute break. I'm going to watch a little movie over here. Um, so, there's a, uh, like, so in Fast 8, I, they're never in a scene together because they got into a huge fight. And so they'll even be like, you're like, the way that they cut it, you're like, they like they would film Vin Diesel's part and then film his part, and they just cut it together so it looks like they're looking at each other. But the plot goes to, like, they're in two separate spots the entire time. Anyways, I there's been this long-going feud. Like, The Rock has called him, like, a candy ass, and, you know, he's like, he's a baby, and da-da-da, they had his feud. And then recently... Because it died down, it recently Vin Diesel came back and was like, because they're rounding out the Fast and the Furious franchise with Fast 10 will be the last one of this. And he pretty much did like an Instagram post of like, The Rock, you know, you've got to show up for this last one. We can't, you know, you got to family because uh, he says that a lot in the movie. And he pretty much was like, you know, you got to come back this franchise you know pretty much like almost trying to be like the balls in your court man he's like you know my my, my kids still call you uncle Dwayne. that's who you are and i just say it was so interesting because he's rekindling i love this because like you don't hear often like male feuds like male celebrity feuds they always will be like the ladies from sex in the city are fighting like i we just love the i just love that there's this like male feud that is just like in the ether, it's so prevalent, it will never die. And just to show that, like, regardless of your gender, people be feuding. People you, be feuding. You, it's so interesting because I was listening to the podcast a few weeks ago <laughs> when you were the two, was it the Peruvian actor? <gasps> Pedro Pascal. Yes. And, and uh, Oscar Isaac. Yes. Why are you trying you were, to bring this up? You want you, me to drool over this microphone in front of you? You were fawning over oh, them. You're like, they have the yeah. best male friendship. You're like, I don't even know what's going on there. Mm. I just really love it. And now you're like, these two dudes are feuding, and I love that too. <laughs> I, You know what? I, I don't like it if it's in this gray area. I need you either, like, at each other's throat or, like, at each other's lips, you know? Mm. That's what There's I a need. lot to unpack there. There is. I think you need to Why, unpack you, that. Here's the thing. I can't concentrate right now because you threw <laughs> this curveball of Oscar Isaac and Pedro Pascal in my face, and so I can't. I don't it's even know what we're talking about anymore. It's very interesting that you, you like oh, the, you like the male so relationships at much. either end of the spectrum. What are you, my therapist? What's <laughs> going on? Uh, changing the subject. Uh, <laughs> I, there's a guy at my gym who I realize now, there's two guys. I realize why I, um, I won't say staring, but I will look at them a lot. I don't know if that's staring, but oh. it's interval staring. <laughs> yes, I do interval. Interval staring. staring. I stare at them for three seconds and then look away. Exactly before they can look back. And what you just made me realize is one of them looks like Oscar Isaac and the other one looks like Pedro Pascal. So <laughs> if you look like Oscar Isaac or Pedro Pascal, please go ahead and slide into my DMs. <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. Apparently. They're just so dreamy. What were we talking about? You got me Vin all distracted. Vin Diesel, I know, I know. You I do, do that. a subject now. I'm going to just be over here daydreaming. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Moving on. Um, So I only brought this up because... Wait, before we move on, I didn't even ask you this, and I've been here for like an hour. Did you get 
boosted? No, I haven't been. I forgot to. You've been like quadruple boosted. It's like you get you like, <laughs> like in here every boosted. day at the bar. I'm like, Give me my booster. <laughs> no, we didn't. So Laura and I both have gotten the J and J one and done, which now at this point <laughs> literally one and might maybe done. <laughs> we at thought this, you were done. At this point, it's like you were running around here pretty much like unvaxxed with just a car and saying we good. Um, <laughs> we did it. We did it. Uh, I have it, and you know what it is? It's now become similar to, like, what I realized, you know, like, when my, she was talking to my, my, my boss, and she's like, oh, I keep forgetting to schedule my flu shot, and that's kind of what it has become for me, and just, like, oh, I keep forgetting, because I have, like, I'm, like, you know, like, it's not like I'm, like, anti-vax, it's just, like, now oh, I realize right. where it's just, like, scheduling it, it's just been, like, a time, yeah. like, I just haven't, I just need to take time to go and do it. But I think, you're, I, think I was, I think I was fear-mongered into it a little bit, they were, like, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I read a lot of science and Twitter. I, I read a lot of Twitter. I read a lot of Twitter, but I hate saying that because then it's like, oh, what else am I looking for no, in the misinformation? You're but like, also on, but you're on Black Twitter. Which I'm on Black I think Twitter. Is a trusted. It is a trusted. And I'm source. on Science Twitter. Okay. Um, I do pay attention. Is Neil to deGrasse Tyson? Are you following him? Yes, I do. See, I uh, so <laughs> full disclosure, Neil deGrasse Tyson looks like my dad. Wow. Yes, and yeah. it's sometimes a little, it's a, little it's a little challenging. Much. Yeah, it's it can be a little much, much sometimes. Yeah, I get you. Um, but I also, <laughs> you know, like I also get notifications when Governor Newsom tweets and London Breed tweets. So mm. I'm like very aware. And mm. I had I watched the news and listened to the news like every day for like 20 minutes. Yeah. So like that had been the hot topic of the week was like, oh, the CDC is expected to release all this data on boosters. So I had been waiting all week to be like, when's it happening? When's it happening? When's it happening? You were ready. I, I was you were ready. already on the Walgreens website. Let me tell you. Ready to click. They announced it at 1 p.m. <laughs> I was on the Walgreens website at 3 p.m. And I believe, if I checked my text, had texted me by 3.35 p.m. Like, you get, I had. Your, I was you like, get your J&J. Get, get I just got my spot. I was like, oh, um, where I haven't even, okay. Uh and you know what? I went to, but you know what? Since you got it, they put more questions. They're like, did you receive, uh, what are the other two? Pfizer, Pfizer or, Moderna. or Moderna. And no, I haven't. And so, like, they've changed up the questions, but it seems like it's preventing me from getting my J&J booster. What do you mean? I should just lie and say I got the Moderna or whatever. The systems are flawed. It is. I discovered this, I discovered this at work uh, when I had to share. So... In the company I work for does medical work, um, um, and they've just asked everyone to report their vaccination status because in the state of California, it is a law that doctor healthcare workers report their vaccination status or be tested. Mm. Um, and rather than making one exclusive group of people do it, they just asked everyone to do oh. it across the entire United States. And when I went to do it, I noticed this bug, and I was like, hey, so there is no other shot. It's just the one. And someone was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's because we just anticipated that everyone would get two. And I was like, I was like, oh, that's faulty logic. And this was before everyone got boosters. I did it in, I, I had to report my status in September. Um, so very interesting that, like, a lot of code is written around, you know, oh, everyone gets two. Right, yeah, yeah. But some people are going to be getting three, so there it is. No, I've not gotten – I feel like you already knew the answer to that. No, I didn't get boosted for my J&J. Thank well, you for shaming me on the it, podcast. we talked about it, like, last week. I, you were like, oh, I'm at the website. And, like. and then it didn't allow me to, you know, it was a faulty logic thing. We're going to get you scheduled thing. before I leave. <laughs> Listen, the holidays are coming up. You don't want to get anyone else sick. 
I like okay. I'm gonna be fine. I'm not concerned. It's not about you though. Especially if I'm hanging out with super boosters like you. Like <laughs> I'll be. Super boosters. Fu- I love it. I love it. I'm gonna write that on like a little pin when I go to the airport. I'm a super week. booster. Of yes, course. I get to get on that airplane first because I'm wearing a mask and, and I'm, I'm a super, super booster. booster. I'm fine. Do you sometimes wonder whatever happened to the kids at your school who really loved Star Trek? You might remember a kid like me, the one who read the Star Trek novels and built starship models. I also took music classes to avoid taking gym classes that required showering after, but I don't see what that really has to do with- Or a kid like me. I introduced myself to kids at my summer camp one year as Wesley. But when the school year started and some of those kids were in my new class, I actually had to explain to my friends that I had tried to take on the identity of my favorite Star Trek character. The shame haunts me to this day. I'm sure some of those Star Trek fans from your childhood grew up to have interesting and productive lives, but we ended up being podcasters. On The Greatest Discovery, you'll hear what happens to two lifelong Star Trek fans who didn't grow up to be great people, but just grew up to be people who love jokes as much as they love Trek. Season 4 of Star Trek Discovery is here, so listen to our new episodes every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun. It's the Thanksgiving season, and I want to take this opportunity to thank you, the members of Maximum Fun. This Max Fun Drive, your generosity and your love of pins, helped us raise over $90,000 to help bridge the digital divide. Families without internet access struggle to do things that the rest of us might take for granted, especially during COVID. Going to school, applying for jobs, finding medical care. Your donations help the nonprofit Everyone On. They provide equipment, services, and training to get people online so they can access opportunity. You can find out more about the great work Everyone On does at everyoneon.org. Thanks for supporting Maximum Fun. Thanks for supporting Everyone On. And thanks for being awesome people who want to do good in the world. Power and sex. Is that, <laughs> <laughs> that is not my headline. That is not my headline. Sorry, I'm 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 not that cool. <laughs> I'm not that cool. <laughs> um, yeah, we're we are getting into what has driven that headline, though. Um, I mean, it, it is very full circle, um, uh, and I, it is a conversation that is actively happening at pre- predominantly the national level, but it is seeping in to our school systems um seeping is probably not the right word it's always in the school system but seeping into the school system at levels it's not appropriate for um so today we're talking about critical race theory uh-oh we're gonna get blocked from like all the fox news channels i'm just gonna They're go gonna ahead and give like a quick shout out to patrick <laughs> from austin from having this conversation for me with me <laughs> um because if he had not had this conversation i was like wow what should i talk about and i was like you know everyone is talking about this we need to talk about it. Can I also ask a question? Maybe you're going to get into this. But every time I hear about critical race theory, I just feel like it's just history. Isn't it just history? We're going to get to that. Okay. We're going to do this. <laughs> We're going to do this. Take me on a journey. Yes. So before we, as an engineer, it's always important to think about what is the problem, right? Ooh. So what is critical race theory? So critical race theory it states that race is a social construct that puts people of color at a disadvantage. 
I had to really work with that one a little bit mm-hmm. because as a woman in science, race is a very specifically defined term scientifically. Mm-hmm. So I think there's like that dual definition. But according to that book, cast, it is a self, it is a, it's a construct. It is. And it has science in the question. The, the question I, the thing I came back to is that science is also influenced by society. Oh yeah. So I, like maybe I mean, the, there maybe was a the time when they're like, women are stupid. Science says. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> let's, let's not fall down that, that, We'll not, we'll, we'll fall I down mean, you path. can really make science say anything. I mean, the scientific method is based on like prove it's wrong. Oh my God. And, and that's then... how we get to anti-vaxxers. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the first principle of critical race theory. The second principle says, and this is probably, I think, the, the predominant part of it, is that race and disparate racial outcomes are the results of complex, changing, and often subtle social and institutional dynamics. Read legal. Rather than explicit and intentional prejudices of individuals, mm-hmm. so there might be a, na- a a tendency for one person or a group of people to have a prejudice that is natural. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you start to encode that, mm. that is when it becomes problematic. Like when you start making laws around it, because exactly. we always understand. I mean, we are tribal people. You know, you see when people are like, "This is my football team," or like. Fuck Christina Aguilera. This I mean, the this was free me. Britney. <laughs> this was me at 13. They're like, fuck Jessica Simpson. No one cares about you. <laughs> uh, but yes, but it's when it, but if I were to start making laws about like Not everybody who laws, loves Jessica Simpson, standards. or like we're going to beat up everybody who loves Jessica Simpson. Right. You have a standard. Everyone who likes Jessica Simpson is stupid. I don't know why I'm using this as an example. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's simplified, right? And it yeah. removes race. Yes. So that, that that's is what, that's what critical race theory it is. I need to specify that because I think there are a lot of ideas about what it is. But y'all, I went and looked it up because Mm -hmm. I was like, if we're going to talk about this, I need the explicit definition of what it is. And you went beyond Twitter. I did. I did. (laughs) I ventured into Wikipedia. Okay. um, And to Britannica. Um, There's no like critical theory website, if you will. Right. And that's because it's studied at a very high level. Right. We'll get to that in a minute. So this started in the 1970s it's a a movement that started in the 1970s and it's based on the work of thinkers such as southerner truth frederick Douglass, w.e.b du bois okay the greatest hits exactly um and you know and also the chicano radical feminist and black power movements of the 60s and 70s um, but the primary people who started this theory include Derek Bell, Alan Freeman, Kimberly Crenshaw, who I think oh, is yeah. probably the people most recognized, yeah. Richard Delgado, Cheryl Harris, Charles R. Lawrence III, Mary Matsuda, and Patricia J. Williams. Thank God they all had easy names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so based on that work, is inclusive of that work, those are the pre- predominant people um, in that helped form this theory. And I want to be really clear about CRT because there's, a na- again, a conversation about CRT being taught in, in K-12 K-12 school. K-12 school system. Yeah. This is only studied at the highest levels of education. I mean, people like Cornell West are studying mm-hmm. it. Um and they really don't even have that good of a grasp of it. And one of the reasons it's studied at the highest levels of education, to come back to the point, is because we're talking about how race is being embedded as a social construct mm-hmm. and a legal construct. Children at age six <laughs> don't have the capacity no. to understand that. 
Um, it's beyond their, it is beyond their ability to comprehend how redlining mm-hmm. or gerrymandering, gerrymandering. I mean, in, in oh, Georgia, man. they just ger- passed a gerrymandering law that really just puts every, all of these new black voters at a huge disadvantage. It mm. happened yesterday. Mm. Um, so it's really, o- and it is typically only studied by people in law. And I say typically because I would not doubt that this theory has made its way into um, undergraduate Sure. Undergraduate little, coursework. But a little taste. Exactly. A little taste test. They're exactly. Not going in because deep. there's somebody who's going to be out there and be like, well, I'm interested. I'm out here doing the work. I'm going to learn a little bit more. And also, I don't know what school teacher who is like teaching sixth grade would even like want to put themselves through that or trying to get some sixth graders to understand these like high level concepts and things like that. Like, right. it would behoove them not to do that. <laughs> and not to aggravate everybody. <laughs> Um, so really what's happened is that critical race theory has been become a catch-all for teaching racism in the United States. Mm. And they are obviously very intertwined, but you cannot def- you cannot deny that the Tulsa massacre did not happen. Yeah. And that's now being taught in schools. Right. Because it was absent. I mean, when we I didn't oh. learn about it until I was a full grown adult. I learned about it on this podcast. Like it was like four years ago and Nikki's like, did you know this happened? Absolutely not. Didn't know. And the more information and I, I think we have this we have the, the power of the internet and that is propagating more information because it only takes one person to say, Hey, I learned this in school. I'm gonna share it with everyone. And it's like five people pick that up and then five more people pick that up of each of those five people and it becomes ex- exponential and eventually it makes it to a national conversation. Um, so this has really become a catch-all for racism in the United States and it is detracting from the mission to create a society that is anti-racist. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, I watched this video a few weeks ago right before the before election day. We didn't vote, for those of you who don't know, we didn't vote in California. We voted in the in the recall. I think we talked about that last time I was here, the recall where we spent like $300 million. Oh, my God, all that money. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. Oh, God, that was also so weird because like we had a recall in September, and then two months later it was election day. I'm like, we couldn't wait. <laughs> Like we're gonna wait for the actual day where there's a day designed for this. I think to we're happen. voting for governor next year. Um, we are. <laughs> like again. Again, we also just couldn't wait another fucking year. But yes, yes. you're right. Yes. So, um, detracting from this mission, um, and then really the next thing I really want to talk about is, is is how the history of racism is being expanded to include a less white version of history. We are trying to teach history in a way that honors the actual facts instead of saying, oh, Columbus sailed the seven seas and then bumped into America. Y'all, sailing is work. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not here to defend Columbus and what he did, but sailing is work. He didn't just bump into America. And then he proceeded to murder a bunch of indigenous people to the point where I whoever who what country sponsored him was it Spain? Spain was like you are wiling out over there. Please stop chopping the heads off of indigenous people. He was like doing like it was, it was people it, told him he was crazy. Spain <laughs> was like the seventh country to give him money. The, oh, he was yeah. the seventh country they asked. Nobody would give him money. I guess that makes sense because at the time you're like the world is flat and he's like I'm gonna go do this. They're like, boy, you get out of here. You gonna take this million dollars and sail off the face of the earth? And they're like, bye, boy, bye. And then <laughs> right. he did it. But he was wiling out. But anyways, I think it's important to like 
tell the fullness of all of these stories, the complexities. And of we're it. and we're talking about making people feel included and building mm. a more inclusive society, mm-hmm. right? Um, so this, I mean, it really bleeds into my next point, um, which is you know, there is this backlash from parents, um, particularly the K through twelves. About the white kids feeling shame, and mm. this is really what like made me say like, oh, we should talk about this. Um, and there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, I don't think well, they're not teaching critical race theory, but let's say we are having this, you know, more than one page, one paragraph. You know, when I was in school, Black history. I don't even know if we were taught Black history. If it was, it was like civil rights movement, and you got. Civil rights movement got a chapter. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, Martin Luther King. We got to yep. talk about Martin Luther King. We didn't talk about Malcolm X. I was going to say, we, we didn't, didn't hear about talk, him. You might have talked about Angela Davis because she's from the Bay Area and mm, she, she did a lot until, of work here. No. But we didn't talk about Angela Davis. Not, I, we didn't talk about Angela Davis until I went to UC Santa Cruz and I took a class from Angela Davis. That's when I got Angela right. Davis. Like <laughs> we, we didn't talk about all those things. Um, and, and this is really just expanding those conversations. And the... The, I'm saying the theory that's being tossed around because I don't know if people are actually asking their kids if they feel shame or uncomfortable. I think people feel shame and uncomfortable themselves yeah. and they're projecting this onto their children, yeah. which don't do that. That's how your kids are going to end up messed up. Um, <laughs> that's bad. But there is apparently there's backlash from parents about white kids feeling shame. And to come back to your mm. point about black kids learning about lynchings, well... How do you think that makes black kids feel? Yeah, yeah, Black kids, CBS ran an article last week about how young is too young to teach racism. Mm. I didn't even read it because people's stories Mm. on Twitter um, (laughs) were enough for me. People were saying how they experienced racism at three, four, five, six years old. And here are white parents saying that they don't want to teach their kids about mm. the Tulsa massacre. Because it you makes know, their kid feel uncomfortable. Like, well, it should make you feel uncomfortable. Your kid is saying racist things to the black kid over there. And maybe they need to understand, again, when we talk about that pyramid that leads to genocide, right? And so you have, mm, like, the bottom yes. bias and then bias actions and then that violent behavior, what that leads to, right? And so... My, I believe, you know, if if we teach these kids, they maybe think they're just saying these words and they're having a fun a, a fun row of it or whatever. But when they when they understand the history of like the violence that happened to a specific group of people, my hope is they maybe won't think that that's funny. You know, they they won't. Right. And that's and you know these kids are coming home and they say it makes them uncomfortable. Well, it makes them uncomfortable because. They literally burned a whole village to the ground. Yeah. These kids are actually experiencing true empathy, yeah. right? Because like that's actually a good thing. If your kid came home and was like, "See, he that was funny," then that would then, yeah, then you, we need you need, alarm. yeah, we need to the, seek some help here. You're so right. It didn't even make me think that it's good that these kids feel bad. You should feel like and not like I'm not saying that they should feel shame, right? I, like it's it, uh, I'm not advocating for kids to feel shame, but what I'm it's, saying is that like you're conflating shame and discomfort. Yeah. And they should feel discomfort because this is such an awful thing. thing that happened. Terrible thing. 
It's the same way, like, do we not, should we then not teach about the Holocaust because it's, uh, should we not read the Diary of Anne Frank because it makes people, like, feel uncomfortable? Like, right. it's a good uncomfortable. Right. Like, lean into that because we get to say, okay, we, let's not do that ever again. Let's understand this. The right. full, the full picture. They're feeling, they're feeling the pain of the other people. And it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, and, and the other thing I want to touch upon is, like, shouldn't we be equipping our teachers to handle that discomfort? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we live in a country to come back to capital rule. Capitalism rules everything around mm -hmm. me. I mean, you know, capitalism really does omit the empathy. And when you lead with empathy, you get such a, a you, the results that you get are so much more impactful. And if we can teach these, te mm -hmm. these teachers to harness that empathy, mm -hmm. the, the return on that for society mm. again thinking bigger than just my kid is uncomfortable yeah. your kid is going to be uncomfortable because they're experiencing empathy mm. i really like that i think that is probably the missing thing because even i think the school system is literally designed to help us be capitalist like workers right? right and so you're right that heart space i don't even know anytime i've had a difficult subject in class i don't ever think that the I, there was a teacher who was once kind of there to help share the space of like hey we're going to talk about some really difficult things right and to kind of keep that space and then even maybe have a checkout at the end of class making sure there's like five seven minutes ten minutes at the end to just be like how's everybody feeling let's you know check in with that space you, oh i feel terrible that's you know that's natural that is a, a feeling that you would have acknowledgement right it, how yeah. i think the thing that's not happening is we're not holding teachers accountable for the acknowledgement of and you know to be fair my mother was in the school system, so I understand that. Yeah, uh, I mean, teachers are under <laughs> under grind. They're over over underpaid. Honestly, let's give them some more money so that they can be better. I mean, and teaching to like you better know, appreciated DM standardized you know tests. But I'm even thinking like okay, thinking big picture. So if you were to have like this like you know schools were to you know okay this is the week we're going to dive into like some really heavy you know, American oh, history with that word uh, and some, some American history, um, maybe give space for those kids. Maybe those are half days or you like don't overload them with homework because, you know, they're going to be emotionally like drained, you know, yes. and so kind of giving that space in that way instead of like, all right, off to trigonometry. Good luck. Like, yes. so one of the th there was a study that was done um, among schools in Chicago, I think predominantly black school. And they found they had had a lot of issues with children acting out. And instead of sending those students home or putting them in detention, they sent them to meditation. And they found that students who went to meditation behaved much better on average. Again, it goes back to going back to those ancient practices. I do a practice of meditation that is 2,500 years old. I do it the same, like the person who taught me, like I went to a, a class and they're like, we're teaching you the same way that they've been doing it for 2,500 years. Like, there is something about going back to these, uh, you know, ancient, ancient practices. practices. Like, yes. there's something about that. And I think, I don't need to say anymore. There's something about it. it there is an acknowledgement that needs to happen for students. I think, again, we're not leading with empathy. Oh, by the way, that teacher I was telling you about that sat out in the, you're going to laugh when you hear this, but he's a really nice guy, who sat out in the cold teaching his students. So he actually works as a principal now or an administrator in his school. I think he's the dean, actually. His name is Dwayne Reed. I actually wanted to give him his props wow. because he's a really great teacher and y'all should look him up and read about him. But um, also he, go to his convenience store in New York City. Um, it's not his. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tie him to that because that feels wrong. That's right. Um, but I looked it up and I was like, of course his name was Dwayne Reed. Of course. Um, but he actually really talks often about he often refers to his students as scholars really gives them a human i follow him on twitter um but i think he really tells some good stories about um again going back to the story i was here last time the girl who wrecked the fence like rather than admonishing her and sending her to detention he asked her to think about what she did and write Mm. an apology letter to the community and she genuinely felt bad about it Children really are tapped into the mo- to the realist emotions, yeah. and we as adults are unwinding that because we are not capable of dealing with our own human emotions and feelings and guilt and all this stuff. Like again, it's all about just like I gotta feel happy, I gotta feel happy. Well, you know, take a pill, like watch this, you know, eat this food. Like it's because we're not capable of dealing with it. Of course, we're not helping to prepare like the future generation to exactly. it, who they're ready to. And I think like there's nothing wrong about feeling bad. Like you know, it's okay if you're feeling bad it's a human emotion you're not going to feel great all the time and to look into the well the why is that and tease that out sit with it i think that's not happening in these homes it's like why does or or in school why do you feel terrible why do you feel uncomfortable um why do you feel shame is it shame that you feel or is it guilt is it guilt because again guilt is i did a bad thing and then shame is i am a bad thing and it's important to acknowledge the difference right because even then if it's like you're hearing about the story it's like, well, I didn't do anything necessarily wrong, but it's the empathy. People who look like me. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so you're feeling that connection. I don't know if you saw this, but there was a headline that uh, New Hampshire turned students uh, and parents into bounty hunters for teachers who discuss racism. This so, is happening across the United States. Wow. So across it's the United States. Similar to that uh, anti-abortion bill that was passed in Texas that you could get money if you... Uh, some you could get you could someone went and got an abortion you could report them or if there was a Uber driver who drew, drew, drove someone so it's people are removing their children from schools for I'm gonna quote because we're not visual but like quote unquote teaching critical race theory when really we're just teaching racism mm-hmm. and trying to and history accu- and, and trying to accurately recount history mm. and stop whitewashing it slavery isn't. This entire, I mean, coming back to capitalism rules everything around me. There's a book called Slavery's Capitalism. Read it. I highly recommend it. This entire country is built on the on the concept um, that slavery, this con- the U.S. as we know it today, is, is shaped by slavery mm-hmm. because it elevated our economy. The mm-hmm. only reason the U.S. became a superpower mm-hmm. was because black people mm-hmm. picked cotton, mm-hmm. sold it, mm-hmm. and traded it. And you know what? A lot of people are going to be like, well, that happened in the South. No, New York, you are to blame, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Connecticut, you are involved, too. Mm-hmm. New Hampshire, you, too. All it was all, every part of this country. Well, maybe California is a little exempt because mm, we weren't here yet. But no, because you even had, like, you can talk about the railroad workers. It's still, like, a yeah. form of, like, cheap labor, which you even have in the in the prison system. And so... This country was founded upon always having cheap labor, cheap free labor as cheap as we can possibly get it, um, and so that's there just in the in the bedrock of it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that touches a little bit upon six, the sixteen nineteen project from uh, Nicole Hannah Jones, who mm. I think a lot of people know. Um, she's been very vocal about um, her role in the in CRT and studying it and teaching it. Um, but yeah, a lot of her work is that, is that it, slavery has advanced our economy mm-hmm. and then it's built on cheap labor. Yeah. It just sucks because it's like, you hear things like, 
critical race theory and 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 woke suddenly became like like Fox News has like taken it and just Fox weaponized and, it. And Karen Rogers to the point where I heard someone who I really admire and she was like she was hesitant to say the word woke because it's been bastardized and dirty so much. Like there's nothing I'm going to reclaim that word. Y'all stay awake. Like it's y'all getting in the column. Y'all. Aggravated, expeditiously, <laughs> behoo. I'm taking and it back. Woke. Y'all need to stay fucking woke. Cause some of y'all, I will say this, are getting sleepy. I have said this before that like the momentum I'm seeing this in roadblocks and the work that I do around DEI at my, uh, you know, at, a company that I, you know, work at. Um, I don't care. I'm going for it. I'm saying it. Um, but it just seems like the momentum and the care that people have um, has started to dwindle down. And my question is, is it going to take another black man to die for people to start caring again? And, and then everyone's going to come back all over again. Y'all just stay the fuck awake. Racism is like Freddy Cougar. Find yourself. Don't sleep. Don't find sleep yourself on it. an accountability buddy. It's like mm, it's like you know what it's like. It's mm-hmm. like Bubba and and Forrest in in <laughs> in the in the in the when they were in Vietnam. Yeah, they both slept back to back so nobody's head would be in the mud. Find somebody to hold your back up so you don't have to be in the mud. How many times have you seen Forrest Gump? So, so many times, right? It's one of those fact, movies that, for whatever reason, as kids, we just watched a million times. Depressing ass movie. Uh, fun fact: I used to watch Forrest Gump on the treadmill <laughs> when I ran. Because there was like that whole scene where he ran across the country oh, and it so felt, like felt like you were running. running. <laughs> yeah. Before there was like visual, you yeah, know. Yeah, before there was Peloton. I'm yeah, pre Peloton for those who don't ahead, know. You were ahead of the time. Uh, yeah. Oh, fun fact. Did you know this? That this is part of people think we're in the. Here's the theory about the Mandela effect, about how we're the in. What? The Mandela effect. Okay. Do you know about the Mandela effect? I don't. Okay. But I can kind we of won't. So it's this idea that we're in an alternate. You, re- reality or universe because people remember certain things happening and they're like and then it's like oh that didn't happen so it gets its name out of mm. most people believe they're like no Nelson De- Man- Nelson Mandela died in his prison cell in the 80s is what like a lot of people will say and then they're like no he I just was eyed James really hard he was freed in 1990 and died in 2013 like you know did a lot of work afterwards um, or there's this idea of like, you know, oh, they're like, it's the Berenstein Bears. But then when you look at it, it's the Berenstein Bears. Oh, I've never, you know, I've, I've called that. I very, have a hard time with that one. Because it's like, wait, no, it was the Berenstein Bears. <laughs> How are we all remembering it like incorrectly? And there's another one that uh, it's not actually life is like a box of chocolates. Life is a box of chocolates. No. Life's like a box of chocolates. Oh, my God. Life was like a box of chocolates. That's sad. Oh, Mom man. always said life was like a box of chocolate. Oh, my God. It I even sat like, on that bench. Yeah. Anyways, so, anyway, yeah, but uh, I'm talking about critical race theory. So I think that not ma- a bad I, thing. I think I think the ma- it's really not. It, it is. It is the study of how we apply laws in our society. It is applicable to us, but none of us are really I don't want to say none of us are never going to use it. But the people who are going to use it most are the people that we vote for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there is a point that you make about the Mandela effect. Like, is teaching racism falling into the Mandela effect? As in, like... People are like, oh, that didn't happen. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You know? Like, well, and that is, too, is that what ends up happening is a collective false memory about things or things get misquoted. Exactly. For example, the line in Star Wars is not, Luke, I am your father. The actual line is, he says, oh, Obi-Wan, he says, he, Luke says something, and then Darth Vader in response says, no, 
I am your father. Yes, because Luke says to him, he's like, you killed my father. And he goes, no, I am your father. But the line has been misquoted so many times that people always go, Luke, I am your father. And that's not the line. But then everyone remembers it a certain way collectively. And, yeah. yeah. I have a lot more questions about that because I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever I've never I've actually never seen Star Wars. Oh, good for you. Um, staying on that train <laughs> uh, because my fiance doesn't want to get doesn't want to watch Titanic. So, you know, whoa, you're like, fine, fine. I'll be over here. <laughs> you're staying in your corner. Titanic. I'll stay in my corner. Uh, <laughs> So, um, you, it's so fascinating to me, Lauren Carter, because you. Full name. <laughs> Lauren Diane Carter. Uh, when I don't know someone's middle name, I That's just not, make it's it not out. my middle name. Uh, I, it's so fascinating to me because you are in such a nerdy field, and yet you stay away from like nerdy things. You will not catch Lauren Nary at a Marvel film if it's not involving, you know, black people specifically. Uh, like you, Star Wars away. You're in your garden and you're running. Like That's it. You, yeah. Actually, you, you do would your, you do you nerdy would, things. You, you would be surprised at how many distance athletes are also nerds. Mm-hmm. Some of the smartest, some of the people, I don't want to say But like smartest. engineering nerds, not like comic book, like sci-fi yes, nerds. Yes, people, textbook nerds. Yeah, yeah a yeah. lot of people who had high GPAs in college were runners. Okay, swimmers, name cyclists. drop of like a high GPA. I, I, my GPA was not as high as some of the other people <laughs> on the team. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. You know what? That is true. A lot of the textbook nerds were running because you had to be fast to get away from them bullies. <laughs> Listen, you had to run away from cool. your trauma. <laughs> some of us are cool. Don't d- there was a diaspora the of long nerds. distance run. You know, the, the hot ones were uh, a sh- short distance runners <laughs> on track. I was. But you know what? I wasn't uh, I couldn't do. I wasn't a sprint. I wasn't like the 100 dash. I was. We are so off topic. <laughs> I wasn't cute enough to run the 100 because that's really was. Who's cute? You run the 100. You just run a little bit <laughs> fast. We don't want you to sweat you know too why? much. Because you'd be like, those girls are fast. See, because they're fast and they would, you know, <laughs> promiscuous. I don't know. I'm off topic. <laughs> I did the 400, so I had to run fast. It's like for a almost l- distance. It's I had like to, the top I know, of the sprint. I know. I had to run fast for a long period of time. The 400 is awful. I also used to run the 800. The 800 is the worst. It's either shit or get off the pot. Are we running fast or are we running long? Like, am I pacing myself or not? Like, 800 is garbage. We had a saying in college, and I still use the saying to this day, the third lap is the furthest from the finish. Mm. Oh, God, yeah. That is, oh, God. Yeah. Anyways. Well, did we solve critical race theory? We're not solving it. We, (laughs) You know what? We just have to address it. We have to address that that I think we need to help parents. There needs to be some support for parents to help their children be uncomfortable like maybe they need to go to a seminar i, I don't mm. i don't really have the answer yeah, you're like, yeah. i'm not a parent so we're I putting the questions out there watch yeah. inside out like I think that's yeah maybe understand I your know. feelings exist um but i think it's 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 the strategy to keep white children innocent but black mm. children get to ex- black children and children who aren't white have to experience racism i think that's not the answer um because that's essentially what's happening is that people who are against teaching a less white i don't want to call it whitewash but a a less watered down version a more accurate version of history are really just saying it's okay for white children to remain innocent and all the other children have to live in reality because black children are are forced to grow up a lot faster they're they're viewed as more adult right um faster so um yeah we can cut this nonsense out it's just called it's just called history it is we're trying to teach it accurately 
Uh, and it's going to make us all uncomfortable. The work of allyship and the work of diversity and inclusion is uncomfortable. Now, can we go to McDonald's and go to the Mariah Carey menu? Well, there you have it. Always so good to have Marin on for two back-to-back weeks. How lucky were we? So, there were two recent trials that were happening, and I have to be honest, you know, we haven't really talked about these on Minority Corner. There's just some times that I, uh, for myself, have to keep a bit of a distance. I don't trust the legal system. Um, especially when it pertains to anything in regarding blackness. We are, is a caste system. We have two different uh, rules and laws set up for different groups of people. And so, so to be honest, I didn't know a lot of the details around the Kyle Rittenhouse um, trial. All I knew was from what was first pretty much reported that during the Black Lives Matter, um, you know, uh, protests and racial reckoning last summer, um, Kyle Rittenhouse had traveled to a town down to Kenosha, which he does not live at, um, with you know some AR-15s or some machine guns, and he killed people, killed you know killed two people, injured at least one other person, and in my mind, I had just assumed, and I, and so then we come to the verdict. I remember hearing some stuff around the trial that the judge was not allowing. Um, was not allowing for the defense to refer to the people that Kyle Rittenhouse killed as a victim. So already you just knew that this trial was, it was a sham. Um, and I wasn't expecting, um, a verdict of, of guilty, which, you know, he killed two people, right? I don't understand. There was no self-defense. He went down there with the intent to, what else was he going there to do, even to protect property? Like, he's not a police officer, which even then, you know, licensed to kill right there. So I was just keeping a distance about it because I just had a feeling from the get that this 17-year-old white kid, kid boy was going to get off. Um, you know, and then you, you juxtapose this to Trayvon Martin was 17 years old, right? He was just a kid. Um, and just and, and George Zimmerman completely got off scot-free from murdering a child. So, and again, same thing, like hunted this child. It was told like it was, is it took matters into his own, own hands. And so it really just sort of reminds you of, you know, we'll watch the movie like passing, which we've talked about, of just how these things just continuously sort of happen of where it's open season um, on black people. All that being said, this entire time, and so the verdict came in, Kyle Rittenhouse, not guilty, wild, wild, but at the same time, surprise, not surprise. On the flip side of this, I had no idea this entire time. My dad brought this up to me because I was really upset. I was, I couldn't focus at work. I was just, I was deer in headlights. And then my dad pointed out, he was like, oh, yeah, like, he, Kyle Rittenhouse killed two white people, two white men. What? Did not realize that. That's how much I was not following this court case and paying attention because it just was too hard. It was just, it's too close to the heart. It was just too much. Um, that being said, look at the message that sends. 
to allies, white folks, like if you are on the side of Black Lives Matter, you are linked to the enemy in this in this space. And this is why, again, voting matters. You know, these are judges that were appointed by, you know, uh, think about who probably appointed these judges. This is why voting matters. There's so many judges that Trump had appointed throughout, you know, his tenure and Mitch McConnell had helped push through. And so, again, this is why voting absolutely matters. And the scary message that this sends for even white folks or allies who want to go out and support or do the right thing. It reminds me of, you know, there are white people who were killed during the um, with the Freedom Riders down in the, with the civil rights movement. Um, and, and, and there's recent laws that were passed, and I believe it was Florida, um, that it's legal that if there are people protesting, it's either Florida or Michigan, um, what's kind of in Michigan? Um, I'm sorry, you'll have to Google this yourself. <laughs> but they've made it legal that you, if there are people who are protesting, you can just drive on through if they're blocking traffic, right? So again, to deter people from um, making it, them scared. So, I mean, this is what it seems like if there are people out protesting and if you want to go and shoot them, like it looks like the law's on your side, that there's a precedent there. And then was very surprised. Um, and then my dad was saying that he was also very skeptical about what would be the result of the um, Ahmad Arbery case. The verdict did just come in today, and all three men are guilty of murder in the killing of Ahmad Arbery. And that um, few really wasn't sure where that one was going going to go. Because you just don't know. You just don't know in this country. Um, there's just different laws that are set up for white folks um, than, than uh, non-white people. So stay woke. We're reclaiming that title, that, that phrase. We can't, we can't go to sleep. We can't get complacent. Um, that's all I have to say. So <laughs> I think that that's it. Stay woke out there. Reclaim that term. Like, don't make it a dirty word. Uh, it, it, it means what it says. And it was, uh, it was a phrase that was started with, with great and good intentions. And we're going to hold on to it because, um, we can't fall asleep at the wheel. There's just still too much work, um, um, to, to be done, um, for, for so many, you know, marginalized and disenfranchised and underrepresented groups. Again, like this was the deadliest year, um, on record for trans folks and the, from the trans community. So, um, we'll also be linking the, uh, correction. I think I, last week I had mentioned there's the, um, uh, pyramid of hate. Uh, I think I said that was from the HRC. It is the Anti-Defamation League. Take a look at that pyramid because it is just so fascinating and what is a, a slippery slope. And so we have to stay awake to make sure that things don't get too um, violent acts. Um, there's little things that we can all do each and every day to help mitigate that and really create love and peace and true gratitude towards one another so it's the small conversations that you have with the people in your circle it's the continuing to do the work um and 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 keep yourself you know educated and informed and uh keeping your strength up as an ally and not being deterred because they're trying to scare folks and trying to make folks complacent and trying to put you to sleep so stay awake that's going to do it for this week's Minority Corner. Y'all are so great. I am grateful for you all, the listeners who have, uh, here we are, six years in. It's about six and a half years in, and we're still here 
because there's still so much work to be done and uh, we can't do the show without you. So I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for our editor and producer, Sarah Brown. I'm grateful for our production coordinator, Lori Fowler. I'm grateful for Maximum Fun being here on the Maximum Fun Network. Uh, we wouldn't have been here so long if it wasn't for Maximum Fun. So really grateful. And also for all of our Maximum Fun um members and our listeners of course as well so be well stay safe we love you and we'll see you next week thanks for listening to minority corner i guess actually we won't see you will we we'll be with each other how do we say that we'll, we'll you'll listen to me and i'll appreciate you and thank you for listening to minority corner because together we're the majority Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.